Good morning, everyone. You ready to enjoy the Word of God? (laughs) I'm excited. Okay, so um, as quick as I can get this out of my mouth, um, we have we have um, a box of the book. If if anybody would want them, we just want you to know that they're available. So this is basically my heart. Um, I never wanted to write a book. Uh, it was pretty intimidating, to be frank. Uh, I told Warren that I would not have finished it <laughs> unless um, I knew specifically that the Lord had asked me to do it. And so out of obedience, of course, I wanted to obey God. But um, but yeah, I long to go forward with Christ. And the title is Go Forward, and that's kind of the heart of, heart of the book. So those are available um, if you would like. And then I also wanted to mention one other thing, and I won't take any more time away from the Word of God. Um, we believe in prayer. And when I say we, um, I, mean, I mean the freedom team. And um, we believe in prayer. In Romans 15, uh, verse 30, the Apostle Paul says, I, I beg you, brethren, to strive with me in your prayers to God for me. And that word strive, it means to wrestle or to share in a contest. And so it is a utterly biblical concept that you can participate in the work of God that he has set before us through the the avenue or the conduit of prayer. So if you want to be on Dan and Cindy Williams' um, prayer uh, chain, then um, Dan, I assume they would see you, right? Yeah, or do you want to just give an email? Do you want me just to say dan at freedomteams.org? Yeah, so, yeah. No, you don't want me to say that. Okay, no, um, no. if you want to be on his, on his email, uh, then dan at freedomteams.org. If you want to be on ours, um, see Lynn, and, or lynn at freedomteams.org. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to make it simple. Um, so anyways, yeah, we believe in prayer. Um, we're bad, I'm not speaking for Dan anymore, we're bad at communication, um, but we purpose, like we believe in prayer, and we purpose to communicate with God's people in order so that they can pray. We just get busy in the work, and um, frankly, like it's kind of the way we're built. Like we'd rather work than sit and talk um, about, about, you know, and so we don't communicate super frequently, but we believe in prayer, and yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So let me just put this here. Okay. Uh, Romans something in your Bibles. Romans 15. And speaking of prayer, um, I believe that Ricky's prayer was effectual 100%. Um, but uh, I, I have been led personally. This is only a personal thing. I can't speak without praying. Um, I just can't do it. And other people, yeah, like without me praying. So let's, let's just bow our heads for a second. Lord, we need you. And um, as the week goes on, it becomes more evident that there is a, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Um, therefore, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit uh, we just want to cry out to you that that we need we need you 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 and um, praise God uh, we love you because you 
are such a sufficient God. You can accomplish what needs to be accomplished this morning. Lord, I don't know if this was you opening my eyes or if it was just something that delights my heart. But right before I walked up here, I looked around and, and I saw young people everywhere. And, and you know this, I don't love young people more than I love older people, um, but I hunger and I ache and I long for the next generation. And so I thank you for those that are here. Um, please have your way with every one of us. The needs in this circle this morning are vast, and you see perfectly clearly, infinitely clearly, what those needs are. And so we cry out to you in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would descend upon this place, that you would cause us to focus, and that the Word of God would penetrate um, wherever needs to be penetrated, if it's minds, if it's hearts, um, if it's wills, whatever, that you would just have your powerful, omnipotent work among us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, um, in Wales, a uh, little bitty, tiny country uh, over in Europe, um, smaller than, than by far most of our states, um, yeah, really tiny population. Uh, there was a man named Evan Roberts. They called him the poorest preacher in England. Uh, and, um, and he knew it, like they wrote it in the paper, the poorest preacher in England. <laughs> and uh, how'd you like to keep preaching if they, if they wrote that about you? And uh, at one point he was asking God to make him better. Um, and then he changed it. And he said, he said if by stuttering and stammering, um, I can... I can bring glory to God, then I'm happy to stutter and stammer for you. And um, yeah, he was not easy to listen to. And people were not shy about saying that he was not easy to listen to. Um, he was in, uh, the Lord gave him a four-point outline, and I'm not going to go into that, but uh, he, pr he preached this outline, and there was a little revival in the youth group. And because the youth responded, uh, they said, oh man, the whole church needs to hear this. And so he preached his little outline that God gave him. And then, and then um, in the prayer meeting that followed that, uh, he came up as led by the Holy Spirit of God. He came up and he got on his knees in front of everybody. And, um, and he said, oh Lord, uh, bend me. And then um, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, revival broke out. And in the next six months, uh, 100,000 people in Wales were saved. Yeah. And a lot of the hymns, like you, maybe you've heard about the Welsh singing, a lot of the hymns uh, that we so love and cherish uh, came out of that beautiful time of God moving. Uh, is that, a, is that a, 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 an example of the power of God being unleashed? Sure. Is Pentecost an example of the power of God being unleashed? Sure. What we want to talk about this morning are three other examples of the power of God being unleashed. Um, it's so much bigger than the way we think about it. Um, this, what we're going to talk about, it came as a result of me waking up on a Saturday morning uh, saying to the Lord in the quiet place, I don't see like the power of God in my life. Um, is something wrong. I hunger and ache for all that the Lord wants for me. I hunger and ache for all that the Lord wants for the church. Is your heart like that? I know many of your hearts are like that. Maybe it's most of your hearts are like that. You want all that God wants for you. You want all that God wants for the church. And so I just said honestly and humbly to the Lord, 
I don't see it in my life. Is there a problem? And then, of course, well, duh, Scott. Um, uh, I went to the Word of God. And, um, and sitting there with the Lord, uh, I looked up every instance of the word power in the New Testament. And then I started to categorize them into, like they fell beautifully into categories. And we're only going to look at three this morning. But man, it was encouraging. In five hours with the Lord, I went from, I don't see the omnipotent power of God in my life, to, wow, praise God, if I only understood it biblically, then, then the power of God is evident in, in my life. And I should be overwhelmingly encouraged because of that. So, um, yeah, so, so here it is. Uh, if you're taking notes, um, today's theme or today's topic, today's um, title would be Empowered by God. Empowered by God. So the Lord this week has said, come to me, stay with me. Um, what was the third one? Work with me. Thank you. And then this uh, today, uh, sorry, empowered by me. Yeah, I want to keep it a theme. Yeah, I should just write these down. My brain gets fuzzier as life goes on. Okay, Romans 15 and verse number 13. This will be point number one, and we'll have three simple points. Romans 15, verse number 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is so good. So let's, let's pick it apart. Notice the title of God. He's a God of hope. Yeah. So if we're walking closely with a God of hope, his hope will be flowing over into our lives. We'll feel his hope. We'll know his hope. The whole North American week of prayer this last year, the entire week, was focused on a renewed confidence in God. Oh, it was a beautiful thing. The Lord has been building the confidence that his people have in him. Is Jesus Christ taking a generation off? Does anybody believe that at all? No. He's faithful to every generation. Is he going to do his job perfectly in this next generation? So Lord of the harvest, does he love every lost soul more than I love my two kids, infinitely more. I have never felt love. I have never experienced love like the all-consuming love of God. He's willing to save every one of the 570 million souls in North America. In fact, he would weep over them like Luke 19. You would not come to me that you might have life. You have no idea the judgment that's ahead of you. That's, that's the Savior's heart. He's going to do a perfect job of leading the church. He's fully committed to the church being biblical. My definition of revival is a newfound conformity to the word of God. Does God want revival amongst the people of God? Yes. Why are we not seeing more revival amongst the people of God? Because we won't tolerate it. We have preconceived notions that we're not willing, willing to let the Lord mess with. And we have parameters of discipleship and, and, and we have limitations of Christ-likeness that we put on ourselves and we won't let him break through those. He is doing an amazing job of leading the church. He is doing a great job of his role as Lord of the harvest. And if we walk intimately with him, then by the power of the Holy Spirit, I love it, it's right there in the verse, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the God of hope 
ends up, his mind, his heart, ends up overflowing into us and we end up being filled with hope. Now the charismatic movement, and I want to say this graciously, lovingly, our charismatic friends, our charismatic brothers and sisters, um, there's a phrase that is common in their circles, um, name it and claim it. Or, I like, I, I, actually I don't like, but this is common, speak it into existence. Fundamentally, what is the difference between what I am saying and that ideology? Fundamentally, what is different is what I'm saying starts with God. And then it comes down to us. And then we pray it back up to God. That's kind of a nice definition or example of praying in the Spirit. Speak it into existence is, is it almost makes us God. We say something. This is what my heart longs for. It treats God like a heavenly ATM. Like through the avenue of prayer, you can make God do whatever you want if you have faith enough. That's abhorrent. And it's opposite to biblical doctrine. What this says is that God is a God of hope. And if you only knew him, you would be filled with hope. If you only knew his heart for the lost, you would be confident that he's going to to save. He's going to work amongst the lost. The Jerichos of our day are going to fall. The battle of our day is just as important as the battle of Moses' day and the battle of Nehemiah's day and the battle of Joshua's day, the battles of David's day. It's no less important whatsoever, and this is the generation that the living God sovereignly put us in. Therefore, you could even say it's more important from our perspective than the battles of history because these are the battles that we are either going to be faithful or unfaithful in walking with God and seeing him win his great Jericho-like victories in our day. I love this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So notice from the text, God of hope. Notice from the text, the word believing. In the Greek, that is pistuo. Translated pistis, pistuo. Noun form, verb form, all through the New Testament. It's the word that's in all of our favorite gospel verses. Belief, faith, inherently carries the idea of trust. So belief, faith, trust. When we believe in God, what's the result? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we end up abounding in hope rather than discouragement. This is for some of you. Do you see abounding hope in your life recently? Are you abounding in hope? About your family, about your church? about how God wants to use you. We have to be so careful. This is an earnest prayer request. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I beg you to pray about the vast, unrecognized issue of unbelief amongst the people of God. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I beg you, to pray about the vast, unrecognized issue of unbelief amongst the people of God. Psalm 78 says, um, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power. 
there are reasons why we're not seeing the Spirit of God move in power. We limit the Holy One of Israel. We the church. We the people of God. We limit Him. He could do no great work there because of their unbelief, says the Gospels. Yeah, so please pray with me. Seek God to tear down the stronghold of unbelief amongst the people of God. So, he's a God of hope. He'll fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's ask of the text, and then we're going to move on. What does it look like when the Spirit of God is unleashed in the life of a believer? Does it look like what it looked like in Evan Roberts' life? Sure, that's one example. Praise God, and I'm open to that. The Lord can do that right here. Do we believe that, by the way? Can the Lord do a work this morning in this circle that would be very similar. Could we see 100,000 people saved in the next six months? And actually, that's pitiful compared to, to what Evan, I mean, to com- put it in comparison, you'd be talking 50 million people in the United States alone, you know, if, if it's apples for apples. Can God do that? Yes. But another way that the power of the Spirit of God is unleashed amongst the people of God is that he creates a people that are so filled and overflowing with confident expectation, hope because they know the God of hope, and they walk with him every day. Okay, moving on. Um, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verse number 9. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. You'll notice a theme here. We're seeking God in prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed amongst the Christians. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, with all patience and long-suffering with joy. So if you're, if you're taking notes, this is point two. Um, I summarized it. It's probably a pretty feeble summary, but I t- summarized it. Knowledge and patience. And I hope that the Spirit of God will will give clarity here. So the Apostle Paul sees a lack of knowledge amongst the Colossian Christians. What's how, What did he think was the, the way to solve that issue? He thought he should pray for them. And of course he thought he should write to them too. But he thought he should be on his knees on behalf of the people of God. This is how we're going to go forward. And I know I'm repeating myself. This is how we're going to go forward in the next generation. The army of God marches forward on its knees. What is he praying for? Knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding. That's the first thing. There's a lack of knowledge. My people, uh, well, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, I would... He says this many places, but 1 Corinthians 12, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. And then he goes on to talk to them about when they were ignorant, it led to a form of slavery. 
And he wants them to be free, not, not enslaved in any way. And so he teaches them about spiritual gifts. 12, 13, 14. So he says, there's, my people, there's a, there's a knowledge that they need. Wisdom, spiritual understanding. Wisdom would be a general word here. Spiritual understanding would be more particular. So wisdom. What's, what's the will of God for my life? 95% of the will of God for your life is revealed right here. And it, it takes about 15 minutes. If, if you don't know how to do it, just go to anybody in your life that would know, that would know how to do it. Um, just look up will of God on any kind of free Bible software. And then look up the passages that say will of God. 95% of the will of God for your life is revealed right here. And if we will commit ourselves to the 95% of the will of God, then he will lead us into the 5% of the specific leading of the Holy Spirit, which is our topic for tomorrow. So spiritual wisdom, right? But also, also understanding. Uh, sorry, wisdom and spiritual understanding. So wisdom, general word, spiritual understanding, particular. Um, let me give you one example. Um, Hebrews says, by reason of use, they have come to discern. So as we walk with the Lord, not only do we have wisdom, but we have spiritual understanding. In other words, particular ability to discern how the Lord is leading, what's on his heart, who would he have me talk to, all of those kinds of things that we see. And again, we'll talk more, Lord willing, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. So, um, knowledge, and then, and then I want to emphasize this for your blessing. I know there are some of you here that need to hear this. Um, look at verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience and long-suffering with joy. Some of you, this is how you need the Holy Spirit to unleash his power in your life. Um, because you long for things that um, haven't happened yet. And I mean good things. You long for a sick local church to be, to be made well. And you need the Holy Spirit to unleash his power in your life and fill you with patience and long-suffering and joy. And of course, we could go back to Romans and say hope. Not that, not that we're speaking things into existence, but we're hoping in his heart, in his mind, that his will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is fundamental to our prayer life, foundational to our prayer life. I, I realized a while back, I don't think I was discouraged um, but I realized a while back that if I couldn't sit with the Lord Jesus every morning and get filled up with him, that I couldn't go on. I'm more dependent than ever before in my life. Or maybe I should say I sense my dependence more than ever before in my life. Um, I need patience, long-suffering, with joy, there's times that you suffer, 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 
And, and all of us, when we suffer, we kind of groan against it, right? There's times that that happens, and then you, all of a sudden it dawns on you um, the fellowship of his sufferings. That the Lord Jesus feels this way, but, but it's millions and millions and millions of times more than me. So patience, long-suffering, joy. Um, don't go there for sake of time. Let me just read it to you. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. I read that, I don't know, six, eight months ago, and I just was like, I can't wait to... I can't wait to meet Paul in eternity and just say, I really, really like you. Like you can see, like Paul had a vast interior life. He longed for the people of God. He bled over the people of God. He was accused of operating in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 10. People didn't understand him. And so they said he's operating in the flesh. By the way, if that ever happens to you, please be encouraged. Like if, if you have a heart after God, but people misread it as flesh, people speak against it, if that ever happens to you, just be glad. They're putting you into the same category as Paul and Christ. When they saw Christ, they accused him of, of operating by the power of Satan. When they saw Paul, they said, you're operating by the flesh. I love this little phrase there in, in, in 2 Corinthians, beyond, burden beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. One commentator writing on that verse, he said it this way, Paul had surpassed the point in his life where he was able... Paul had surpassed the point in his life where he was able to go on in his own strength. Burdened beyond measure, above strength. If I couldn't sit with the Lord and get filled up every day, um, and I mean this literally, uh, there's no way that I could go on. How does the Holy Spirit show up in the life of a believer? He causes you, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He causes you to be patient and long-suffering with joy and to learn to walk with Christ and, and to uh, get from Him what you need and all that you need to go on um, every day. For me, it's every day. I think probably as I mature, it'll be more frequently than every day. Right now, it's kind of every day. Anyways, yeah, knowledge and patience. It's how the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives. Um, one more. So this will be point three. Go to Ephesians, if you would, chapter three. Ephesians chapter three. Warren and I both have been hitting this theme all week. And uh, I'm happy by the direction of the Lord to, uh, to hit it once again. Uh, this is so precious. We must see this. Ephesians chapter three, verse number 14. Oh, Lord, have your work among us right now. Uh, verse 14, 
For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the, the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So point number one was when we see the power of God unleashed amongst the Christians, it produces abundant hope. Point two, when we see the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed amongst the Christians, it produces knowledge, patience and long-suffering with joy, spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then point three is it produces intimacy between the bride of Christ and Jesus Christ himself. Now, if I don't have time to explain this to your satisfaction, come ask me afterwards. I will gladly spend and be spent in any way that I possibly can to see the people of God understand these thoroughly, wonderfully biblical truths. This is describing intimacy. Again, see it in the text. To be strengthened, verse 16, the end. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Who's writing? The Apostle Paul. Who's he writing to? The Ephesian church. What does he want for them? There's not enough intimacy between you and the Savior. You're suffering for lack of intimacy. You'd be such a different people if you knew the Lord. And if you were walking with him in the love relationship that he wants to have with you, you'd be such a different people. What did the Apostle Paul think the solution was to the lack of intimacy between the Ephesian Christians and Jesus Christ? He thought he should write them a letter and communicate with them, and he thought he should be on his knees. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what, what do we think that the solution would be to the lack of intimacy between the people of God and Jesus Christ? I would suggest that, that we speak about it when, from the letter when we have a chance. And, and the major thing I would suggest is that we get on our knees. And there, there's so many strongholds amongst the people of God. 2 Corinthians 10, those are torn down through prayer. There's so many footholds amongst the people of God. Greek word is tapos means opportunity. Ephesians chapter 4, don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a way to reach into your life and influence you. There's so many strongholds. It's deeply, deeply, like soul agonizingly grievous. There's so many strongholds amongst the people of God that must be torn down in prayer. There's so many footholds. The devil has wide open doors to reach into believers' lives and mess with them. That's Ephesians 4. 
These things must be torn down in prayer. They must be recognized. The church must be purified and readied to march forward under the banner of Christ in this next generation. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I know that this is incredibly simple, but is Paul saying that he wants the Ephesian Christians to be saved? Ask Jesus into your heart, quote unquote. You hear that phrase, right? Bantered about. No, of course not. I mean, it's very obvious. Like as you're asking questions of the text, it's very obvious. He's talking about intimacy. In fact, I'll give you another example. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The word know is gnosko in the Greek. And it means, let me give it to you word for word. It means this, um, a familiar, familiarity acquired through experience or association with a person. I want you to have a familiarity with the love of God that you don't have right now. And you'll acquire that through experiencing Christ and walking intimately with him. Listen to the definition again. A familiarity acquired, gained, through experience or association with a person. What is Paul praying for? An experiential knowledge of of the love of God that makes idols fall away, that makes sin fall away, that makes uh, investment in this world as opposed to investment in the next world fall away. It frees the people of God up to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also to be empowered. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit is unleashed in the life of a believer? Man, I could pick out so many of you that I know the Lord has worked in your lives in the past five or ten years. What does it look like? By the way, this is what happened in Dan's life. The Holy Spirit, who lives inside of Dan Williams, reached down out of the heavens, and, and he, by his power, he did a work in Dan's life. Boom. In a moment, and Dan was radically, irrevocably changed. I've seen this happen over and over and over and over and over again, and it's Christ doing exactly what's described in the Word, preparing the church to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus for the next generation. How many people in this circle is what I'm describing for? This is a fundamentally important question. I kind of spoke on these things at regional shepherds in the Midwest um, years ago. And afterwards, one of the brethren came up and said, "Um, is this for everybody or is this just for like people that God would choose for a certain task? This is, a fun, this is an elder of God's people asking a humble, honest question. Well, look, look right here, um, verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. I have that highlighted in my Bible. And then my other evidence, biblical authority, would be this. Who's Paul writing to? I like the letters to Timothy and Titus too, right? But this is a letter to Ephesus, the Ephesian church. So he's writing to all the Christians and he's saying there's a lack of intimacy between you and the Savior. You're not experiencing the love relationship that Christ wants to have with you. And so I'm going to be praying. I'm going to write this letter and then I'm going to be praying that the power of the Holy Spirit will be unleashed in your life and it will end up producing a knowledge of the love of Christ. 
an experiential, an experience of the love of Christ in your life. It's for all of them. God help us, it's for all of them. It's for all of us. It's kind of the whole point. Like, why were you saved? You were brought back into an eternal, soul-thrilling, all-consuming love relationship with a God of love. But we hang out outside the, the land rather than pressing in to all the blessing that the Lord wants for us. And so we don't experience it. And then you go on for a couple generations like that, and you end up with a church that would rather theologically debate the validity of what is being described rather than seeing it and entering into it. Or they see error in other parts of the church and they react. It's a theology of reaction. They react against it and they want nothing to do with charismatic excess and so they choose dead orthodoxy. That's where we are. We look over there and we see charismatic excess. I'm in full agreement with that, with that statement. That's charismatic excess. It dishonors Christ. What dishonors and displeases Christ more? Charismatic excess or dead orthodoxy? I'd say they both equally dishonor Christ and they're equally vomitous to him. Unacceptable. What I'm more passionate about because of the circle I'm in is dead orthodoxy. God changed this by his mighty power. So he's trying to produce intimacy between the Lord Jesus and his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you a couple more things here, and I hope that this is super encouraging to you. Um, verse 20, Now to him who is able, now to him who is able, now to him who is able. What's been Paul's argument so far? There's a lack of intimacy between the Ephesian Christians and the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to write a letter and then I'm going to be on my knees that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this will change. Men that taught whole generations to walk with God in previous generations, they would call this liquid love. It's not a phrase that we throw around a lot. <laughs> it sounds kind of fruity, doesn't it? Liquid love. And yet the scripture says, stay in the place where I love you. Don't you leave the place where I love you. Guard the place where I love you. Keep and never stop going to the place where I love you. That's John 15 and Jude 20 and 21. Exactly what that is saying. So his argument is, is I'm going to be praying for a newfound experiential knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ in your lives. And then he calls on the God. Right? He references the God who is able is God able to do in your life what is being described in this passage? It's so important that you respond to him by faith. Accept by faith what is described in this passage. Respond to him by faith. Don't be unbelieving. You don't have to fully understand it. One of the things that I love about the Christian life is that it works before you fully understand it. I love that. Like which one of us fully understands the Christian life? Just say, Lord, what you're describing in Ephesians 3, I receive that by faith. Because you're able. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all 
that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the Holy Spirit of God. God is able to do this in your life. The only reason that you won't be brought into a greater experiential knowledge of of the love of Christ is that you hold yourself at a distance. Unbiblical thinking, unwillingness to be Christ-like, unwillingness to die to self because it's scary. You are your own worst enemy. And if you will get out of the way, a God of love will so consume you, it'll be like Moody. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what the exact experience will be like in your life, of course, but Moody was in New York, and um, and uh, the love of God started sweeping over him, and, and he couldn't take it. Um, it's amazing when things like this start happening in your life. At, at first, like, Lynn didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know it was the Lord. Um, the love of God was sweeping over Moody, and he ran to the first hotel. He got a hotel room, and, and he just fell on his face before God. And, and he said in his writings later, he said, I felt as if I was going to be consumed by the love of God. And I asked the Lord to stay his hand, lest I not be able to survive it. Like pray or die? I didn't know that that was a reality. You must pray. You would explode if you didn't pray. God help us. I mean, it's all right there. He wants it for all the saints. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, let me say one more thing and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done. Uh, look at verse 21. Please, 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 please. Everyone, if there are any doubters in the audience, it doesn't matter. I don't need to know who it is. If there are any doubters in the audience, if there are any that are like really wrestling over what I'm saying, I recognize that what I'm saying is different. If there are any doubters, look at verse 21. What's the whole point of what's being prayed for and described in the passage? To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's trying to work this out amongst his people because it brings him so much glory. We're robbing him of glory by not letting him lead us into what is being described. Fundamental, orthodox, biblically accurate church and love relationship are not antithetical. You don't have to choose one or the other. You don't have to deny one for the other. I love this in the Word of God over and over and over and over and over again. It's not either or, it's both and. This is both and. What we embrace passionately, which what I embrace passionately, Christ loved the church, he gave himself for it. Therefore, I will love the church, I will give himself, myself for it. I would rather die than dishonor Christ. Compromises the language of the devil. I believe in all of that. Love relationship is not antithetical to that. It causes that to blossom and to bloom. And then the aroma of Christ ends up being everywhere. So we must let the Lord have his way with us. Yeah, we must, we must, we must. Let's pray. Father, we commit our time to you and pray that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed in power 
Um, he listens to you. He's very God. He has every essential attribute of God. And yet he listens to you. It's amazing the humility. He listens to the Son. He's sent by Father. He's sent by the Son. And so we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed in this circle of people right now and that you would cause them to abound in hope, that you would cause them to be filled with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that their lives would be characterized by patience, long-suffering with joy. And we ask for a newfound experiential knowledge of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that all the saints would get there, that you would tear down the strongholds that need to be torn down, and that you would remove the footholds that need to be removed, and that you would lead us from where we are to where we need to be. We believe and we assert confidently in the presence of God, in the presence of angels, in the presence of demons. We assert confidently that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we pray that as you answer this prayer, that it would produce glory for our God through Jesus Christ. Lord, please, we need your help with understanding. We need your help with willingness. We commit this to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.